It's Thursday, October 12th, 2017. You're listening to Last Time on Video Games, a podcast about retro video games, and sometimes some other things. This is episode 202, still better than Jason X. Runtime for this episode is 1 hour and 12 minutes. Hello and welcome to Last Time on Video Games, the podcast where X marks the spot for Dracula. My name is Jeremy. And also his sweet pirate treasure on the moon base, I'm Tyler. And just put him back in there. My name is Zach. My new free webcomic as soon as I find an artist is The Adventures of Pirate Dracula, because he is public domain. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Dracula's public domain. At recently? No, no he's there's... been forever. That's uh, why he's in Dr. McNinja and Marvel Comics. I like, just assume, like, does Bram Stoker have an estate? Uh, he, technically, yes, but he didn't. It didn't fight to keep uh, the Dracula copyright. Well, yeah. Now I was wondering, like, what was it ever enforced? Well, is besides, more my question. He's over a hundred years old. It, yeah, it would have been, you know, until the copyright expired. But yeah, that's why Marvel Comics in the '60s had Dracula fighting the Silver Surfer, and they had that long Dracula comic, which is actually where Blade originates. Blade was an antagonist for Dracula. <laughs> Wow, oh. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I learned something today. <laughs> and th- those Marvel Dracula comics are the bomb. They like read like an anime. They actually did a seventy or a late eighties anime adaptation of them, but it was a single movie, and they tried to get about three story arcs in there, and not <laughs> enough time. Wow. I, f- I find that's a common problem with movies that try to fit in like a long running series into a movie. Yes. Speaking of, I still need to see Netflix Death Note. Uh, I I've heard need that. is maybe okay. a strong word. W- once with sadistic glee. <laughs> okay, maybe. Isn't that masochistic glee? Um, no, that's what I do. That's only if I watch it with my girlfriend, who does not exist. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wants to watch it to enjoy their suffering as they were producing it. Mm. It seems like the right kind of bad. Like, I've been seeing a lot of movies with Kevin lately, and none of them have been the right kind of bad. I have watched stuff on Birdemic. Aberdemic. Oh, you should you should definitely also Monos Hands of Fate. That's a great bad movie. Well, like I I have rec- I recently discovered Jontron, so I was watching a bunch of his stuff. Although you've only recently discovered, I talk about Jontron like every other yeah, week. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just... But a lot of the time, I don't go look up things because most of the time you're talking about random stuff like Doctor McNinja, not my kind of humor. So I usually don't pay attention. That's right. I'm actually kind of surprised Jontron's up your up your alley. He's he's kind of an acquired taste. He reminded me a lot of like a more tame video game nerd, and I probably stumbled into more, a couple of his more funny videos. Yeah, and like three quarter, like he actually kind of doesn't do video game stuff anymore. He does like mostly movies and like sketch comedy kind Which of. It's kind of the same thing as uh, Cinema Sense. Yeah, kind of funny, but I think he's like petered out. I because I, I think I caught his. Uh, announcement of what what's the plan and the plan is not not anymore for the time being doing like studio quality productions of stuff now so he's not really doing youtube videos anymore well and it's become very difficult for people who do that sort of thing to make money because of youtube being more uh aggressive about copyright claims and also the bar to entry being lower every day like, I know Nostalgia Critic has gotten to the point where he's basically not using any movie clips and is just reenacting the entire movie with his, like, two actors. I almost would wow. prefer that anyway. The so. Jurassic World one he did is amazing. <laughs> I, I haven't watched him in forever, but I that sounds great. I actually know that they were doing all that, but the guys that I usually watch are, like, League streamers and Game Theory. 
Well, because like that sort of thing does very well on YouTube because of the way YouTube's algorithms work. Most video game companies have no problem with streaming. Yeah, League actually says, go ahead and do it. Well, but, it's like free publicity. Why you, wouldn't you want it? They're like, you can use anything that we make as long as you're making it. And you're I not trying to say you own everything in it. As far as I know, that's what their policy is. It's very similar to that. I know what's-his-face, Suda51, I want to say, really didn't like people posting all of his cutscenes on stuff. Because, like, those are supposed to be weird interludes. They don't really make any sense out of context. And you're spoiling it for yourselves, you assholes. And then you got Nintendo, who's like, anything you make is ours. Yeah, which is... I. Why? Like, I feel like legally they are in perfectly good standing, but like, yeah. strategy-wise, it does not seem... You're not wrong, you're just assholes. <laughs> yeah. At least, you know, they're getting better. That's not a very good step, but they haven't tried to shut down a Super Smash Bros. tournament in like four years. They have, I'm sure they have a sign. It has been four years since we tried <laughs> to take Smash out of Evo. Wait, they tried to take it when, out of Evo. When, when Melee was coming back to Evo, they tried to stop it from being streamed. But Nintendo of America kind of stepped in and was like, no, that is a terrible idea. In fact, we should just sponsor them to recover from this bad PR. <laughs> That's Thanks, the Nintendo better of America. Just yeah, sponsor them because then you get your name all over the place. I think it mostly comes from a difference in culture between Japan and America, but Sony doesn't seem to have many problems with it, so I don't know. But what, what games does Sony produce? Uh, they invest in a lot of them. They don't, ah. like... They are the financial backing for a lot of them. Like No Man's Sky, for example. Sony paid for that. I did not know that. <laughs> that was probably a poor choice. Well, I think it made its money back. I think business-wise, it was a fine choice. Just maybe creative-wise, it was not a great choice. It had a lot of promise. A I and just, you'll I notice, no one's blaming Sony for that. Sony just stepped back and didn't let anybody think about how they paid for it. We had nothing to do with this fire. Like, yeah, it definitely wasn't our fault for making them or for pushing out the game or telling them to promote it in certain ways. No, we just gave them money. Certainly, we didn't do anything once we gave them money to protect our investment. Why would you think a company would do that? I just <laughs> blame those guys. I just remember that uh, Steam was like, okay, if you bought the game, you can return it for full cost no matter how many hours you have on it. For, like, the first month the game was out. Like, I don't know. I think the problem with No Man's Sky is not that they lied. It's that they made a bad game and that pe made people mad. I think if they made a good game, people would not have been upset. Gasp. <laughs> I think it people just, would have forgiven a lot of sins for that. It but. was compounded by the fact that they lied and the game was bad. I didn't play it because it wasn't really my thing in the first place. Then I just started hearing that it was a dumpster fire. See, whenever anyone complains about that, I just wonder, man, is Star Citizen ever coming out? Um, I keep forgetting that's a thing. Yeah, that's what's, what they want. What's weird is it's actually like a fairly solid game right now. Yeah, I know it is an early. <laughs> that's I actually investigated it recently because I was curious, and that people are like the early access stage that it's in. Yeah, no, Ed plays it sometimes, and like I, I don't know, I've seen people do or doing let's plays of the current features, and like everyone seems to like it fairly well. It's a fairly like mostly complete game it's just not like half of what they promise it would be eventually be and i suppose so. i have no real problem if it's a minecraft scenario where it's just always in development forever, but playable and fun i also never didn't pay them any money though so yeah i also have that. no stake in that game it's just a weird curiosity Battletech took a year and a half to come out, and I'm perfectly okay with that still being an early but access. Like, but, like, Star Citizen has been in development for, like, five years, had the most successful Kickstarter ever, has continued to accept money from people since then for various things in-game. It's a different scenario. Whereas, I assume you played paid for Battletech once, figuring it would probably be a year, year and a half before it came out. Yeah, that's fair. 
It's a different scenario. Didn't back the West of Loathing Kickstarter because it didn't exist, so I don't know where that story popped into my head from. <laughs> um, but Thanks. speaking of idle curiosities, Zach, what have you been playing? So since the last time we recorded, I've actually been uh, kind of all over the place. <clears throat> so I've been playing a lot of League of Legends lately because the world is going on and they've got some world's related missions that can help me get a chroma for the championship Ash skin that I picked up that changes it from blue go- blue to gold. Also, play a 1v5 game against Double Lift. That's just one of the missions. That'd be very difficult because <laughs> the game doesn't really allow for 1v5s. <laughs> and Double Lift is in Korea right now. So? So it's a good mission for Koreans. <laughs> yeah, it's a great mission for the Koreans. Yeah, since he's in Korea right now, I'm like, damn it. Every time I look at that mission, I'm like, I, I suppose I'll have to try the 1v10 against Bjergsen. Isn't he in Korea too? Yes. <laughs> and then I remember that and go, damn it. So, because I haven't been able to complete those challenges, I've had to look towards the other challenges, like... The ones that actually exist? Yeah, the ones that actually exist and are actually possible to do. So, I've been playing a lot of Ash lately, just because I like that skin. And I tend to do well on her, because she's fairly easy to play, simple to play, and even if I start falling behind, I still have a lot uh, of ability to do something. Like, I do a lot of work with Ash's Enchanted Crystal Arrow, so I like using that a lot. Where else has your attention been? Uh, I actually played a lot of Gundam Versus. Really? I have not been able to get into it. I think the fact that it doesn't have couch multiplayer and the online is really laggy is going to kill it for me. Oh, is the online really laggy? I've Every time I've lost except once, it has been because of lag, which makes me feel like every time I win, I'm afraid it might have just been because one of them was lagging. Uh, and it really takes the taste of victory out of my mouth. I have not played against people, but I've been, well, because I don't have PlayStation Plus right now. Uh, so I've been playing a lot alone, and it is, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I do enjoy playing Heavy Arms. I actually like playing the G Arcane Full Dress as well. It's one of the Re- Reconquista Gundams. And the Easy 8's fun to use as well. I like the Easy 8 a lot. The Freedom has been my go-to. It's got lots of nice tools. It's got a get-out-of-dodge roll. And I also like using the Perfect Strike. It it looks really, really derpy, but it's it's pretty fun to play as, so... I just got to the point in Seed where you see the freedom for the first time. It, it's, it's I like that part. But it that's is a good part. But on the side of things that are also not necessarily up my alley, I picked up Cuphead. Yeah. Oh, how is that? Because I'm really torn on it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I generally don't like the old-timey cartoony <laughs> art style, but the more I've read about it since Zach was playing it, I'm like, well, Zach's playing it a lot. And, like, if Zach likes a platformer, then maybe I should it's look at it. It's <laughs> primarily a boss rush game. Well, it started development as only the bosses, and it was only later that they were like, we should add levels to this. <laughs> um, but I'm having a lot of fun with it, and this year has actually kind of showed me that I like difficult games when it feels hey, me like too. <laughs> I'm not being stuck with a problem of this game is really hard because we didn't bother to give you the tools necessary to actually do well at this. So I actually, I beat, I think my favorite one so far was the fight against Baron Von Bonbon. <laughs> That's a great name. She's like, she's like a lot of candy stuff. Like there, at one of her stages is a, is a gumball or a jawbreaker. And, uh, like a Pac-Man style jawbreaker. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm only really, I've, I've heard a lot about this game, but really the only thing I've been able to take away from people talking about it is the aesthetic, which is obviously the main draw. But what is the gameplay like? Does it play like a 2D platformer where you're fighting bosses? Although, Um, as a quick aside, the aesthetic is actually what turned me (laughs) off of getting this in the first place because I saw it a long time ago. I'm like, that's a cool project, but man, I don't like old-timey cartoony style. And that's actually what 
really led me to pick it up was that I really like that kind of art style. Um, I'm not exactly the expert on 2D platform gameplay um, where you fight bosses because I usually don't play a lot of those. But as far as I'm concerned, like it plays really smoothly and it plays what really well. What are your well. verbs? Jump, dash, and shoot. Okay. I feel like there's also a parry <laughs> at some point with like there a specific is a metal. Uh, it's not even a specific metal. It's uh, if you come across anything that's pink uh, at the like apex of your jump. I haven't quite figured it out yet because it's actually kind of hard to use. It's very skill intensive, um, and I haven't really mastered that kind of thing yet. Uh, you get a boost. Can you dash after you jump? Admitting? Yes. Okay. So like Mega Man. Yes. The, the more uh, this sounds like Mega Man X, the more it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I would actually. I mean, that's what Twenty XEX is. So. The That's thing, a great game. The thing that I lament the most is that it doesn't have online co-op right now. Um, I'm hoping the, the they'll put that in The opposite problem of Gundam Versus. <laughs> I, I'm hoping they'll put that in there um, because... It has, I, has uh, a couch PC. multiplayer, though, yeah. right? <laughs> there's couch multiplayer, but there's no online stuff. So, I mean, for the Xbox One, it'd be better. But for the PC, where you generally don't have more than one person, it... You don't really have anything. That's the other reason I kind of don't want to pick it up, is the fact that I can't play it on my PS4. But it sounds like it's brutally challenging enough that maybe it's worth playing single player anyway. Like, I n I've never played a super hard game like Castlevania or Dark Souls with another person, so I'm not sure that that translates well to multiplayer. I just know the game's a lot of fun, and it, it's very fluid, it controls very well. Uh, the bosses are kind of outlandish and fun in that kind of style. The story is, as I was reading what, what the actual developers were talking about, um, they wanted to kind of go with the old style 1930s cartoon where the story problem isn't go rescue the princess, it's the main character done f up. Yep, that's very common from the countercultural cartoons of the era. Even Fantasia. That's the plot. <laughs> or that's the plot of the Mickey Mouse segment. So the, uh, the story is Cuphead lost a bet uh, with the devil. And also Blue Cuphead is there. Hi, Blue Cuphead. Mugman. Mugman? <laughs> yeah, it's Cuphead and Mugman. That's his name. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so he lost a bet with the devil, and so now he has to go uh, and collect the soul contracts from all the bosses. That's why you're fighting them, <laughs> is you're collecting for the devil. Okay. In exchange for your souls back? Pretty much. That's not bad. So, I mean, I've only passed the first area. And then beaten the Baron von Bonbon of the second era, so I, it's a lot of fun. I'm I'm having a blast, but it's hard as hell. Yeah, I may I may drop in and watch you sometime since Steam does the broadcasting things. I'll and, have to turn that back on. Yeah, like literally everyone watches me. I never watch anyone else. Well, usually so if it's because I will see a game that you're playing that I'm like I don't know what that is. Yeah, well, like and you'll drop in and I can't figure out what it is. I'll look at it and be like I'm gonna drop in and watch what he's doing for a couple of minutes. Like if I'm not feeling like playing stuff with other people sometimes, but I'm so online, sometimes Kevin will just like watch me play games. Yeah, I I, I think Kevin's dropped in and watched me a couple of times because I used to have it set where I just people could watch me. Like when we were playing Payday a lot, he would watch to see if he needed or if he could drop in without having to worry about screwing up a stealth run or something. Yeah, the bad thing about it is that like some games it tanks the performance on my machine for some reason. Like some games is fine and I don't notice it. Some games for some reason broadcasting like really sl splunky is actually really finicky with this for some reason. Huh, that's and weird. It, yeah, and like that's not really a graphically intense game. <laughs> but it is like in the same way as a fighting game, a game where input is very important and the timing and precision is yeah, and maybe that's why I notice it more in that. 
Because, like, in Payday, I don't really notice it. But on the other hand, like, I'm mostly just running and shooting. What else, Zach? Uh, the last big one that I was playing is I actually picked it up today. And I started playing Papers, Please. That seems like such not a Zach game. <laughs> I know. Are it's you been... enjoying it? That's the key question. I can see you deciding you wanted to play it. Yes, I was. In, I've been enjoying it. Like I've been looking at it. Okay, those all match. Zach all does right. like rules and technicalities. <laughs> You're good to go. You missed the. Na- you missed this. <laughs> what do you mean I missed that? The one that I got confused was like I had a different name on a work permit, but. The name, like, I went through it, and it's like, you know, you dis- discrepancy detected, and you talk, and then do the fingerprinting. I'm like, but the fingerprints matched. Like, okay. He clearly stole them. So let, let's go back a step here. Uh, let's let's describe the game a little bit to people who haven't played it, because surprise, it it's is, a popular indie game, but it's not a popular game. It's it also a, a few years old now. It is a bureaucracy game, and what you should do is one of the main reasons why I actually went in ahead and picked it up is Yahtzee has, or I don't know if he's still doing it, but he has or had a, like, let's drown out this game thing where he was playing and he had a friend with him. And one of the things that he was that he did was uh, Papers, Please. What do you mean, let's drown out? Like, they're just talking while, they, while they're playing gotcha. the game in the background, and he was doing Papers, Please. So it's kind of like Game Grumps, actually. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, that looks, oh, so that's what that looks like. And I was watching it, I'm like, I want to try this game now. And so I went and uh, I've been playing that for about an I've played it for about an hour until you texted saying that you were, you know, in the area and ready to record. So zooming out, it's a bureaucracy game. Like Zach said, you play a border guard of this vague totalitarian country and you have to. Aristotska. <laughs> and you have to very carefully prevent un undesirables from entering the country but also you're this poor guy trying to make money to pay for his wife's medical bills and feed his kids and you know people are like hey overlook this and i could give you a little extra money and stuff like that i haven't come across any of those although i've gotten a lot of offers to go down to the local brothel (laughs) like they keep giving me the tags for it but like there's some random things and i'm like one of my favorite things is to hit the detain button because it's great and at one point I had it where I had two detains in a row. So it's like, all right, the guards come out, they grab the guy and they take him away. And then like right <laughs> off that, huh? Hey guys, I got another one. <laughs> what, what prompts you to detain people? Because like, it's, uh, it's just if there's a discrepancy and they're lying about it, uh, certain things on the paperwork will cause the uh, detain thing to come up. Detaining people's just a lot of fun. And when it pops up and when you detect it, but when you, where I'm at, I have to pay attention to somebody's passport work permit if they're there to work and their um permission to enter their uh entry permit so i'm comparing all this stuff at the same time it's a lot of keeping track of things especially as i'm trying to figure out like do these cities match up is this actually a city in this area do you get penalized for going slowly or Uh, you are paid based on how many you do and like i said you have those medical bills and stuff to pay and if you mess up i think it's two warnings and then you actually hit a uh then you start getting actually docked if you screw up to, like three times in a row. Because I had one day where I actually messed up three times. It seems like a game that there's a lot of stuff that you can need to memorize, specifically like with this, with where all the stuff is, all the cities are in each country. So you don't have to keep referencing your little book. Yeah, I was going to say, is there like a map or something? Because you said you had to see you have, the cities are geographically you, located. You have a book um, with like the rule, the basic rules to use. And then 
the region map, which has where all the cities are and stuff like that. Um, there's also a joke character that shows up, and one of the things that he does, like the first time he shows up, he doesn't have a passport. The second time he has a passport that he drew himself. <laughs> and then there's another time where he actually shows up and he has a f- nice passport, but he doesn't have any of the other paperwork that you need. So, like, I also just unlocked scanners because there was a guy that I let through because all of the paperwork was fine. And then they suicide bombed the people behind me. I'm sure that's a plot event. It was. Like, it's a plot event that that, that happens. I think it's just, like, randomized which one of the people in the day to move the plot along. It does that. So I, I'm just going to detain everyone that has perfect paperwork. <laughs> you, you can't, the problem is, you. I think the detaining... Yeah, well, you can't actually detain people with perfect paperwork because it is actually like a button prompt that comes down when you find a discrepancy with some with certain discrepancies. Gotcha. So you can't just like arrest everyone, right? Like there was one like moral choice that I had come up where it was like, you know, some pimp, human trafficker type guy comes up and someone gives you a note that says this guy's coming up in line, and I, I will admit I because of the uh, Yahtzee thing I gave it to him. <laughs> and he like go gets all mad and you can detain him after he gets all mad. <laughs> it's pretty great. But yeah, that one's a lot of fun. It's it's uh, 10 bucks on Steam. That's so, not bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm finding a lot of games that really don't seem like they sh- they'd be me games that I'm having a lot of fun with. The problem is Zach is close-minded, not that he doesn't like things. <laughs> like remember when we got him to play Guitar Hero for the first time? Oh yeah, that was a that was a thing. <laughs> uh, that and- escalated quickly. Anything else, Zach? Uh, not on my own. No, there. Uh, we we as a group did some gaming this weekend or the, this week. So some gaming. We played Dead by Daylight. I did air quotes for that just because it was only the three of us, and that game is really designed to be four v one. It was fun to tool around with. I want to actually play it four v one some. Yeah, but I, I spent I don't twenty know. minutes running away from Tyler, which was pretty funny. <laughs> That was pretty good. Well, I really feel like that needed a Benny Hill track. Well, especially <laughs> there were points at, at one point. Like, we're, I'm crouching in this cornfield, and I hear the thumping of the killer getting closer. And I'm like, "Where is he?" And then I just see Tyler go by with the chainsaw <laughs> revving, red eyes. Neom. <laughs> okay. I mean, there it, he is. It seems like this game has the potential for a lot of depth. So, well, like the nurse's teleport was. Hard to use, but really fun to use. Like, all the killers are unique. Like, we played Damned. Man, I wish Damned was this game. <laughs> oh, God, Damned was terrible. Yeah, no, th- this game is much better. Um, And, like, all the survivors have, like, unique things they can do, and all the monsters have unique things they can do, and it's, like, customizable per match, and... Oh, no, it's got a lot going for it. And the maps are procedurally generated. Yep, the, the lightly randomized maps are pretty nice. What else have you been playing, Tyler? You know, I had an answer to that question. So obviously I mentioned that I played Spelunky. I have nothing other to say about that game other than I finally beat it once. <laughs> so You can beat that game? Yes. I don't know why I never assumed that game had an ending. There are 17 levels if you play normally, culminating in the final boss, which is Olmec. Oh, I didn't know that game had an ending. Oh, I, I believe there's actually some beyond that. Uh, there are not any beyond that. You can do some before that and go back to hell, and then you can actually go all the way back to the beginning of the game and then play it through again before fighting Olmec. And there's some side paths you can take, but I kept dying in the side paths. Specifically, there's a uh, Independence Day-styled one where you, like, invade an alien mothership, 
and I've never managed to get through that alive, so I decided, you know what, maybe I just won't this time. I know that at a certain level of play, the mothership is considered the game, but I don't know anything beyond that. When I said I think there's something beyond there, it was specifically the mothership I was thinking of. Yeah, no, the mothership is really hard, but it's like one level, and you just, you you beat it and you're done, um, and then it dumps you back into the regular flow. The fourth level is the temple, and I had kind of forgotten about it until I, like, I had some phenomenal playthroughs, I think because it's been a while since I played it, so I was being a lot more cautious than I normally am. I was doing extremely well, I had like 20 health, which is like a ridiculous number for that game, I had a ton of sweet loot, and I was like walking along being super careful... And they have, like, some blocks that are, like, Zelda-style switchblades that react to your being near them. I didn't know they behaved that way because it's been a while since I was in the temple. So I'm just, like, walking along carefully and walk out over an edge and immediately die. <laughs> like, Alex and I just stared at it for a second and then cracked up laughing. So that was fun. <laughs> what else, Tyler? So Kevin, a while ago, I don't know, when we threw the Bouncy Castle party, however long ago that was, um, asked if I wanted to set up a Sky Factory server at some point. So last week sometime, or maybe earlier this week, I finally got around to doing that. And he and Ed and I played for about four or five hours. Yeah, I think I dropped in on your guys' conversation when you were setting that up. And then uh, because I was about half out of it due to drugs, because I've been sick the last week, uh I just like immediately dropped out of it again when it's like, oh, you guys are talking about something that I have absolutely no interest in. I'm out. I installed the mod and tried to connect to your server and it told me I needed the mod. And I was <laughs> concerned. How did you, you have it? absolutely no luck when it comes to computer related stuff, do you? I just persistence. No luck, just persistence. I used the uh Twitch. And that's app. also how you launched it? Well, that's how everyone else did it, so... Uh, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> um, to be fair, I tried launching it again, and it said constructing mod that time, and I'm like, did I do something wrong the first time? But then something happened, and I ended up stepping away from it. Yeah, it also has to download like a ton of stuff every time you launch it, so there's a little bit of that. I actually, I think I did something similar when I was installing the server. I accidentally canceled the server install, and then it was we missing necessary files for Java to run, and I was like, what the hell is going on? So I just relaunched it, basically, and it worked. But yeah, I was in, like, a Sky Factory like, themed launcher. Yep. And I went to multiplayer, and I clicked on it, and it's like, failed to connect to server. You need all these mods. Weird. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it somehow skipped actually downloading them. I don't know. Um... I don't know. It was a lot of fun. Like, it's an interesting concept. You basically... So, for those who don't know, Sky Factory is a Minecraft mod where you start with a single tree on a block of dirt. And it's actually a collection of a whole bunch of different Minecraft automation mods. And the goal is basically to create the world from your tree and block of dirt. And it's it's really fun, actually, to do that. In a way, like, normally... I guess, like, getting to a point of sustainability is, like, my favorite part of playing Minecraft. I'm not super into the creative portion of it, which is kind of weird. And this game is all about getting to the point of further and further sustainability. Yeah, whenever you get to sustainability, there's a new goal yep. you find out. You find about, like, entero steel or <laughs> black magic, or nuclear reactors, and you're like, oh, I want that. So the, the progression of technology that we went through is tree- and then get wood from tree to make planks to have stuff to be on, and then use those planks and the one block of dirt and presumably the sapling you got to plant another tree. One of the mods is twerk trees. I forget what it's actually called. Basically, you twerk by pressing shift repeatedly, and it magically grows a tree. Uh, you do that repeatedly until you have a platform, then you can build barrels in which you can compost leaves from the tree, 
that you harvest with a crook, which you can use or make by getting more planks to make more dirt. Eventually, you'll get some silkworms out of that tree if you're also using a crook to harvest the leaves. And then you can fest trees with silkworms to make mesh rope, basically, or silk to make mesh so that you can start sifting stuff out of your dirt. And like it gets ridiculous really this quickly. This sounds really tedious. It's surprisingly entertaining. It, like, it sounds tedious, but it's actually a lot of fun, and I don't know why. I so. think it is tedious, but it just, the way the mod is constructed, you get to the point where you get items that will do all that stuff for you at the point where it starts to get tedious. Yeah, no, So it, you have to do it just enough for it to be tedious and for you to feel great about the fact that you now have a little slave to do it for you. This, What's this the challenge it? here? Um... Not doing something really badly, like it's really easy to screw yourself over and not be able to progress. Uh, well, I say really easy. In the beginning, it's really easy. After a while, um, it's mostly like deciding where to put things and how to best to automate it and searching through the giant mod library, figuring out how to automate something. There's also a list of achievements. Yeah, that, that kind of guide you through it. Serve as goals. Okay. That uh, also have a progression element. Um, so like... But as Jeremy said, like, just as I was beginning to get sick of having to deal with composting my own dirt, uh, we get to the point where we have a dirt generator. And just as we get to the point where we're sick of having to create cobblestone, we get a cobblestone generator. Um, like, Ed and I made a 5x5 five five grid of iron-meshed sieves to start sieving out diamonds and stuff. And, like, once we got to the point where we could do all those at once, like, it's so satisfying to see all that running. And they're like, well, now that we can sieve cobblestone so quickly or uh, sieve gravel so quickly now we need a gravel generator so we've like made auto hammers to make more gravel so that we didn't have to make the gravel ourselves and like it j just little progressions like that it's surprisingly satisfying you're basically building an assembly line one item at a time i guess yeah and then piping it together and then once you get that pipe together you now have the goods to work on the next level of automation. Okay, with with you describing it like that, I can see where the fun is here. Because initially, I'm just listening to you describing all this, and I'm like, this doesn't sound like fun. This sounds like work. But do you have a blood altar yet? No. Uh, no, the what highest... What are you even doing? The highest level of technology that Ed and I got to um, was piping together three auto hammers that turns cobblestone all the way down into dust. And those are all piped together, and... Uh, Kevin had also made a Tinker's Workshop, like, smelter, so that we could start tossing the chunks of stuff we got in there and getting, like, actual metal ingots out of it. Um, Kevin, since, I think, has played, like, three to five hours. Like, I occasionally look at my log, and sometimes he's been on for about an hour. Um, but I haven't had a chance to play again since. Like I said, I tried to log on. I guess I'll try again tomorrow, maybe? We really need to clean our Discord up a bit. Nah, it's fine. I like it uh, the way it is, and I did not start there. <laughs> they actually introduced a thing where you can, like, have subject tag things um, instead of the old-style channels, and I think that might actually be a better organization for us, given how many channels we have laying around. That's my point, is every time someone creates a new game that we're all playing together, or someone creates an entirely new channel, rather than just playing everybody yeah. under the same one. That well, doesn't yep. bug me, though. That creates so. history. Also that. <laughs> what else have you been playing, Tyler? I think mostly that um, I mentioned Dead by Daylight, obviously Dokkan Battle. Like that goes without it's saying. It's going to say I've been playing mostly Dokkan Battle. We're not allowed to talk about that because that will be the podcast. <laughs> I'm excited I for the world too... tournament tonight. Pretty much those things. Um, I feel like there was some other random thing in there because I was looking for. Oh, I completely forgot about this game. I was having a huge amount of fun with it, and then I found that it was really stressing me out for some reason. So I needed to stop playing it for a little while. I was playing Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor. Which is 
Is that like Viscera cleanup detail? No, although they came out like I bought both of them at the same time. So it is kind of a sandbox game. So it's a 3D-ish, but like drawn with 2D graphics. So like uh, if you ever played Arena, the first Elder Scrolls game, it looks kind of like that. Everything's kind of like obviously polygonal and like it's not really trying to be 3D. It's all 2D. It kind of looks like Paper Mario. Doom? Kind of like Doom, yeah. But worse? But worse, but like obviously intentionally worse? I don't know. It's odd. Um, I mean, I, I'll, I'll post some pictures or something because it's hard to describe. Um, where you play a spaceport janitor whose ostensible job it is to go around and pick up trash. But some of the trash you pick up is actually like an item. And you're like in this busy spaceport with a couple like different shopping districts. Oh, I do know this game. Go on. And like your goal is basically to accrue a bunch of money to like f- so you get cursed early on you're like i'm bored with life i should go adventure in the sewers and then you get cursed by the nine goddesses and you have to break the curse by collecting these tablets and most of what collecting the tablets is is going around to various merchant stalls all over the city and seeing if someone has one for sale or getting super lucky and finding one just laying on the ground and you want me to spoil this game for you I'm okay with that. It's a metaphor for the poor being unable to save up enough money to actually advance in life. Yeah, no, I can see that. Because in addition to having to do those things, other drains on your money. So, like, occasionally you'll find something really expensive. I have some super valuable items, but the sh- what merchants buy and sell are the same items, but they change out every day. So whatever they're selling, they're also buying. So you have to be lucky and find someone who's buying your item. And so, like, at anymore, I'm, like, really happy if I just get to spend money on a nice meal. Um, in that game um it's a metaphor for you buying nice things for yourself instead of saving up for your actual goals and advancing yourself in life yep um (laughs) so that's why it stresses you out it is well actually what 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 was stressing me out is i played a single run and it got into a weird state where like on the fifth day it wouldn't load properly so i restarted and for some reason on my second run my luck was much better so that like the main resources you have are luck energy in your incinerator battery to burn trash and money and i think it's really those two things you also get hungry over time so you have to feed yourself occasionally you also have to gender swap occasionally i think my most recent gen or gender was like a bon jovi or something <laughs> which is kind of amusing what why yeah it, it doesn't make any sense like i've been wizard i've been cowboy really they exist to be arbitrary draws on your money uh which is really the resource you need to save up so you can buy the damn fetishes to get a piece of sewn tablet to undo your curse hmm um, so basically it's like wander around and pick stuff up simulator, but it forces you to like, you have a very limited inventory you can carry on you and a slightly larger, but still pretty limited inventory you can store at home. So you had to like balance between like, what things do I want to carry around and think might be valuable? And like, I might be able to sell this for like more than two monies. It's a weird game. What was stressing me out is my luck was really high on the second run and I was really close to getting the achievement for like have 500 luck or something. And then I didn't find any candles, and one of the things you can do is go around and pray for luck at one of the nine goddess altars, and they also appreciate it if you leave candles for them. Um, And I didn't find any candles for like two days straight, and so my luck started dropping precipitously, and that was stressing me out more than anything, because like luck, more luck means more money. But I actually found there's a sweet spot where if you're like only kind of lucky, you find a lot of trash that is valuable to burn, but not a lot of stuff to sell. And the stuff to sell is way more valuable, but you have to get way luckier to find someone to sell it to. So it's a weird game. At the end of every day, it has you like write a diary entry, um, but you can't use a keyboard for it. You have to use like a 360 controller and it's like T9 style typing. Yeah. Uh, well, in, to I think to encourage to keep the log entry short because I'd write a lot more otherwise. And I think it's actually 
to prevent you from writing a whole lot, so you only have two or three words to go on to, like, look back on that day. So, it's definitely an interesting game. Um, I may or may not ever finish it. I'm probably going to go and play some more of it, but I'm probably only going to do, like, one long play session of it. Would you rather play that one or Viscera Cleanup Detail? Because they kind of occupy a similar space. Not really. I mean, it really depends on my mood. Yeah, that sounds like asking, do you want to watch Citizen Kane or Kingsman? They're both good movies. <laughs> I'm going to watch them for very different reasons. Yeah, I haven't actually watched Kingsman yet, but I've heard it's pretty good. It is. Don't watch the second one. <laughs> it's not very um, good. And they promise you one amount of Channing Tatum and give you a different amount of Channing Tatum. Like, superficially, they're both chore simula- simulators, but like the feeling that... um spaceport janitor evokes is a very different feeling than visitor cleanup detail evokes also visitor cleanup detail is only good multiplayer right <laughs> like it's, yeah it's, that's true like i could play it single player but it's kind of boring what's really fun in visitor cleanup detail is like throwing severed limbs at your friends while you're trying to clean things up or uh planting a bomb in the incinerator <laughs> not asshole. telling them <laughs> so, oh that was so much fun things like so that. funny but they're like really different like they're really different friends of mine like for some Diaries as a Spaceport Janitor is a great game if you're feeling, like, wistful, I guess. I, I said that, and then I realized that, thinking about it, it's actually more applicable to Papers, Please. That's what I was yes. enough. That was what I um, thought you were going to ask him about. My brain short-circuited. I was going to ask a different question and realized that question had nothing to do with it, and then forgot what I was going to ask. Um, yes, and I can see it being very similar to that. I think this game is simultaneous, like, the mechanics are less complex but they play together in a way that makes it like like you're doing less decision making i think but the decisions you're then, making then i think are one? harder uh than papers please okay there's so, less mechanics in papers please but yeah but like the decisions you're making in papers please are more complex you have more variables in them but the decisions in diaries of a spaceport janitor are forced on you and are difficult to make because they're like they're they're harder to evaluate i think they're squishier they don't have clearly defined metrics so uh, but yes, I think those two games probably occupy a similar-ish niche, because it's basically a wander around and pick junk up simulator, so. I got one more question for you. What about that thing you were playing with Ed? What thing was I playing with Ed? It was some two-player spy game where one <gasps> guy's playing Otacon. Oh, the other guy's playing I completely forgot about this game. You and I should definitely play this game sometime, Jeremy, because I think this would be a lot of fun. It's called Clandestine. And it's a 90s hacker movie, the video game, where one of you is a spy and one of you is a hacker, and the hacker has to give information to the oh, spy I, and I vice versa. I think I've seen this game. Was it original, like, a VR game? I don't know. It might have been. So, like, is it a thing where, like, the spy has to basically navigate a maze and the hacker... It's not a maze, really. Okay. From um, what I could gather, it looked like it was one guy was basically playing Splinter Cell while the other guy was playing Splinter Cell's support character. Yeah, no, I actually feel like it's, like, perfect dark. Like, the, okay, the may- character is clearly supposed to be Joanna Dark. This is not so. the game I'm thinking of. It just has a similar premise. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... it's Yeah, it's a stealth game, except you don't have any of the... Like, you don't have a mini-map if you're the spy and, like... Gotcha. Um... So, as the hacker, you'd, like, navigate a 2D grid, um, operate cameras, go and try to mark people, uh, dig, like, hack into computers 90s hacker style by pressing a single button. Like, um, do you remember that one scene from Jurassic Park where the girls at the computer, she's like, it's Unix, I know this. I was going to say, it works like hacking in Kingsman 2, <laughs> where one guy's robotic arm gets hacked. <laughs> exactly. Ah, 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 ah. Um, but it's exactly like 
hacking in a 90s movie where like there's this weird GUI for some reason and you press a single button and you're just in and you get passwords. Uh, but like on the hacker, you're really trying to sift through a lot of information while the spy is trying to react to that information on the fly and also not get caught. Sounds like a little bit uh, keep talking and nobody explodes yes, and a little bit. Alex actually compared it a lot to that game, and I think it's similar for that reason, um, except it's a lot more like maybe fast paced. Yeah. Oh, no, it's got a different feel to it. Um, it's less puzzle oriented and more just like information and cooperation oriented. So. Um, it's a really fun game, though. I really like it. And they keep it like every level in a in good video game fashion introduces a new element. So certainly sounds interesting. Yeah, it's also like ten bucks, which is a steal. I think it's it's pretty old. I think at this point, but I just kept seeing you guys popping up and was like, "What the hell is this?" As I was insanely groggy from <laughs> drugs and was like, "I have a call. This blows. What are they doing?" Yeah, no, it's a super fun game. Unfortunately, like it, it technically has a single player, and I do not recommend a single player iteration of the game. It doesn't sound like it would be a good single player game because it sounds like it's one of those things where the experience is best experienced with two people. Yeah, asynchronous co-op rarely translates well to single player. Yeah, and they, I think they get around it by trying to give you a map or something or have some of the hacking happen automatically. Well, because um, you're clearly counting on another intelligence, and an AI just does not have that level of intelligence or ability to work with you for what you're actually looking for. It's just operating on a procedure. Yeah, no, the, the two-player co-op mode of this game is phenomenal. I highly recommend it. It actually, now that I'm talking about it, I was like, what other games exist this way where you have, like, two players? And the only other thing I can think of is, like, like Spy Party, I guess? But that's a competitive game. There was Keep another... talking and no one explodes. Yeah, that's true. There um, was another one that I had played that had asynchronous co-op, and I was, I'm just having a hard time figuring out what it was. Jet Force Gemini, where one person is the little robot. <laughs> yep, that's a good point. Um, but I was thinking... Sonic 2, someone's playing Tails. <laughs> <laughs> Although those last two are kind of stretching the definition yes, of asynchronous. Definitely. I was um, being facetious, and I think Zach was too. And, like, keep talking, nobody explodes is the closest comparison I can draw, but I'm, like, trying to think of something that's, like, one and one. Or, like, uh, kind of Artemis, actually, because uh, you're supposed to have a bunch of different people with different information. It seems like they should have made something really good on the Wii U like that, and they just didn't. It's baffling that it never happened. The closest I think that they did to that was the Mario... Nintendo Land? Well, Nintendo Land, and I was actually thinking of the Super Mario Brothers Wii U, where someone can be operating the tablet... Oh yeah, giving oh, people yeah. platforms and stuff, or like me trying to get people to die. That's actually what Alex and I really liked about uh, Mario Galaxy 2, is it actually has a pretty decent uh, asynchronous co-op, where the second player doesn't have a lot of high skill, but the first player benefits a lot from their interaction. The first Galaxy did that as well. Less well, actually, which okay. is why I didn't like it as much. So, Anything else, Tyler? Uh, no, that, that is really it this time. So I guess, like Zach, I've actually been kind of all over the place. What have you been up to? That's not Dokkan Battle. I was going to say, no. I've also been all over the place, but that mostly means Dokkan Battle, <laughs> which we're not allowed to talk about. I played Left 4 Dead, which we talked about already, and Gundam Versus, which we talked about oh, already. you played Left 4 Dead? Or no, Yeah, do you mean Dead by Deadlight? I did make Dead Oh, okay. Because anyway. I could go for some Left 4 Dead. I still have it, it installed. Is, it is the right time of year. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, and the other, the other playing I played is Mario plus Rabbids, but only a little bit of it. I really wish I could unlock the skill trees already because they seem very, very interesting. <laughs> How far are you that you don't have those unlocked yet? Uh, like level four, which and each level has multiple um, battles on it. That does seem like something that you'd have unlocked by like level three. I also haven't unlocked any other characters yet. The pacing of it seems very slow, which I think is like 
assuming you've never played this type of game before. Do you get a random assortment, or is it actually set up as you get these three characters every it's, time you it's play? It's defined. Yeah, you start with three characters, and I my assumption is that I will unlock more, and then I just choose four. No, per... no, no. What, what I mean is, do you will you start with the same three characters yes. every time you yeah, start you the game? Yeah, you get, like, Mario... Rabid Luigi and Rabid Peach, I think. Yeah, I do not see any reason why it would not start. Why it would start you with different characters. Okay. And in fact, like it would be really weird story wise if it started you with Peach. Like she's not kidnapped or anything, but like she's at the castle, like building your base, basically. Okay, I I just thought I'd ask because you know that would be an easy way for additional replayability as you start the game with a different assortment of characters. Yeah, the skill trees, from what I've read, seem very interesting, especially the alternate attacks and like alternate weapons and stuff. It seems like Luigi's it... death stare. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the greatest weapon of all. That's um in the show notes on episode two hundred one, which went up today. I linked to Peanut Butter Gamer's like review of this game, um, the, which talks a lot about how the mechanics progress over time but that's actually a common complaint i've heard about it is like it's weird that they assume that you can't do skill trees or like get new characters for a while and i've unlocked like customizable weapons which is super cool but also money is actually valuable in this game which don't get me wrong i really like but that means i can't do a lot with that just yet because i can afford to get mario a really cool gun but that's it the hard part i've had with a lot of games that have that is that a lot of times you'll unlock these new cool guns and stuff like that, but you don't have the resources to try them out. Yep. So you don't know if you're going to actually like using that kind of weapon. So it's either go back to previous levels and grind up a lot of coins or money or whatever it is, and then get the gun so that if you don't like it, you can always get something different. But otherwise, it's just like, I hope this is what I think it is. So I suspect based on the fact that the battles are very brief, but there are multiple per level and your health is persistent. That this is game is played with the intent of being a mobile game so that like you, you can, can play two or three between. battles and it's not lending itself well to like binging it and trying to get that would make sense done. for the switches uh, setup in general. Exactly. I just don't play a lot of mobile games. And when I do, they're Dokkan Battle or Pokemon. Like I am kind of really in a Pokemon mood and I'm trying to preserve it for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. But part of me is like, you have Platinum sitting right there, bro. I mean, Platinum's a great game. I know. It's, it's... I know. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> My head has been telling me all week. It's like, it's right there. Your DS is fully charged. It's ready to go. You have two of them if you run out of battery. <laughs> I need to fix my DS. I've been playing a lot less Smash because I broke my DS and I haven't fixed it yet. I should really try one of these days. I'm actually getting to the point where I'm just going to say screw it and send it in for repair. But So speaking of things that need to be fixed, <laughs> our assignment Rondo of week... Blood didn't really. No, Rondo of Blood is a great game. Highly recommend it. You should play it while the Wii Virtual Console is still a thing, or at least buy it so you can play it later. Or you can just get the PSP version, I guess, if you have a PSP, which why... But if nobody you do, had a PSP, but if you do, definitely get the Rondo of Blood port because when you beat Rondo of Blood, it secretly unlocks Symphony of the Night for you. Which is, I mean, that's two great games. Yeah, <laughs> we played Castlevania Dracula X, a game with a great name, but that's about <laughs> it. That name is great. It's just a shame the game is garbage. So this is kind of a port of Rondo of Blood. It's also kind of a complete remake. I've never heard the complete story, but my suspicion is that after the PC Engine CD failed, they wanted to bring this game to the world outside of Japan and didn't really have a console for it. 
Obviously, they weren't going to do it on the Sega CD. The <laughs> Nintendo PlayStation fell through. Uh, so, so, so they tried to port it to the Super Nintendo, and I suspect at some point they ran into issues actually porting it properly. How far out was the Dreamcast at this point? Or no, it was the Saturn, the Saturn right? This was 94, so I think it's a year, maybe two years. Wait, th- was this, it Saturn then Dreamcast, right? I can never remember. Saturn then Dreamcast. Okay, I always forget the Saturn existed. Everybody does. Um, Even though okay. they made Neptune based on it. So they still had some time before the Saturn release, so that was not really a viable option. And there's only really one Castlevania game on a Sega console. Which seems interesting, but I have no idea if it was any good or not. Which one was it? Bloodlines. You huh. can play a guy with a spear or a guy with a whip. That sounds potentially interesting. Yep. Anyway, so they went to the Super Nintendo, where they had had a lot of success with Castlevania 4. And it makes sense. I assume people would have been asking for a follow-up. I don't actually know, but I know Castlevania 4 was well-liked at the time. It's one of the 20 games on the uh, mini console, so. Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad game. It's just mediocre. Yeah. Uh, The game this reminds me of the most is actually the original Castlevania. And I actually thought I was going to like it, even though I've only heard bad reviews for this game. Yes, I had heard nothing, and I started playing it. I'm like, oh, this feels a lot like the original Castlevania. This is going to be great. No. All the <laughs> Ironically, bad... I lost my patience insanely fast on this game, which is something... How is I... that ironic? I feel like that's something you do all the time. Yeah, but d- given the fact that I've played a lot of Dark Souls and Cuphead uh, recently, I didn't think that my patience would go that fast. This is this a kind different of game. kind of hard. This is also boring and hard, is I think the problem. That's my big problem with it compared to the original Castlevania. But going back to what I was talking about, all those negative reviews have been in the context of either it's not as good as Rondo of Blood, which is a good game, so not necessarily much of a sin there, or it took away all the cool moves you get in uh, Super Castlevania 4, like the directional whipping and stuff, and I kind of don't care for that. Yeah, so that's not really a selling point for me. But I have a whole different set of problems with this game, so... Some of it, like the angle that bats come at you at, it seems like they're expecting you to have the Super Castlevania 4 whip powers, because huh. those bat enemies existed in the first Castlevania but they never came at you at angles like they do in this one. Marital jump arcs are back. They were in Rondo of Blood as well, but they do the kind of half thing they did in Castlevania 4 where you can kind of adjust your jump afterward, just not to a great degree. But the jumps require a lot of precision. There's lots of bits where you have to get to the very edge and then jump. Yeah, it was like the very first j- real jump that I had to make was, like, I missed it and went, oh, I guess I have to be absolutely perfect or I have- can just use this down here. Then walked all the way to the end and discovered, nope, you have to be absolutely perfect through all these jumps or I'll screw you. The Pretty thing, much. The thing is, it's never hard to be perfect. You just got to, like, get to the edge and do it. The original Castlevania, the challenge came from putting an enemy on the other side and making you either avoid its attack or kill it before you went across. But usually you had plenty of extra distance with your jump. So you could, like, and because you know your jump is going to have a specific arc, you, like, you know exactly where you're going to land. How how long you're going to be in the air, and then you just time your jump properly. Like, it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with, like, being to the very edge of one platform and landing on the very edge of the next platform. And, like, there's one sequence early on in this game where you're being chased by this, like, Gorgon thing in the D&D bull sense, not the <laughs> Medusa sense. Um, and you have to do all these pixel-perfect jumps, but it's not, like, tense after the first time you do it, because you know all you have to do is get to the edge, jump, get to the edge, jump. I actually found this game very boring in like a Kirby way, but (laughs) also it's hard and I don't know how those two mix, but they do. And it just doesn't come out very well. 
Well, it's because there aren't a lot of interesting enemy encounters that make you think a good platformer that has a bunch of enemies all over will, like, throw a bunch of different enemy types into a group and say, figure out the optimal way to work your way through them. And this game, it says, here are some enemies, they're preventing you from progressing. They're not interesting enemies, they're just there, and they're kind of annoying. And when it does throw the interesting enemies at you, it never introduces them. The first time you fight the Castlevania Knight who throws axes at you in this game, he's up on this kind of ledge that makes him a pain in the ass to get to and a pain in the ass to fight. And if you've never played a Castlevania game before, you don't know what his capabilities are. Even if you've played a bunch of Castlevania games, you don't know, does he have the charge attack in this one? Like, what's his deal here? What do I have to look out for? And, like, I mean, they're throwing Medusa heads at you at at the first level, which is a little little cruel, I think. Maybe it's just my experience with Castlevania. I found those boring and trite, too. I was like, yeah, this is a Castlevania encounter. I found them incredibly annoying to deal with because the whip is not a good weapon for them. Because they're either above it or below it for 95% of what they're doing. Yeah, and in the original game, it was all about timing. When do you attack those Medusas? And if you mess up, you can jump over them when you're low in the arc. I suppose in this one, they have much narrower arcs, so it's difficult to avoid them by just being where they won't be. Yeah, pretty much. Which is often the best way to deal with them in the first Castlevania, because while your whip has this delay and is kind of awkward to use, your jump doesn't. So just putting yourself in the negative space. Now, I'm not, like I'm still thinking of that one scene where there's the two axe guys and the Medusa heads concept. Like that's such a great encounter. But that's and- also kind of the last part of the game, right? It's yeah. the end. It's the end of the second to last level. But that is the last like encounter like that. And you've fought like a thousand Medusa heads and multiple of those night guys. That's just stringing everything together. Yeah, no, I guess my point is they worked up to that, and it felt like in this game they just kind of threw things at you, just kind of like randomly. But, and then they also just throw kind of zombie enemies at you that just die in one hit and aren't very satisfying to fight. Like, those only appear on the first level of Castlevania and only kind of in the places you're actually not supposed to be. To, like, kind of force you out of the room with their endless spawning. And they don't have any of the cool set pieces from Rondo of Blood or Castlevania 4. They've got stuff, like I talked about, like the Gorgon that follows you. They've got, like, a collapsing bridge as you go across them. But neither of them felt tense or interesting because the enemies around it are just kind of there in particular with the gorgon i was talking about the optimal strategy is to wait a second for the zombie to walk off the ledge you have to jump perfectly across and then jump (laughs) and you have to do that four times which is not exciting Uh, or tense it's just tedious and it's the same thing every time right like if they varied it up it'd be one thing there's never a part where there's a medusa head coming at you and now you have to deal with that in addition to this uh Gorgon that's chasing you. And suicidal zombies. (laughs) Suicidal zombies. (laughs) That's the name of my band, guys. Don't make fun of them. Also, the bosses are really boring, at least the ones I fought. And I fought more than Jeremy did, and they never get much better. You don't have the, like, hammer horror aesthetic from the original Castlevania. You're like, ah, I want to fight a Frankenstein and see what that's like. Nor do you get the crazy anime stuff from Rondo of Blood. (laughs) They just, like, it feels like the boring leftovers between the two. Okay, wait, really quick. If we want to talk about crazy anime bosses in Castlevania games. Symphony of the Night's body composite. Oh yeah, but that's that's the sequel. Yeah. And that's also the sequel to Rondo of Blood. Like, it's crazy (laughs) if you play Castlevania and then Symphony of the Night. Which is what I did. (laughs) If you play Rondo of Blood in between, you can see the progression. (laughs) Like, Symphony of the Night is a sequel to Rondo of Blood, and you can really tell. But this one doesn't get that anime excitement, nor does it get the classic horror that the originals had 
Yeah, and I think the most interesting boss I fought is like this mage guy who kind of float, floats around, but his attack pattern changes depending on how much health he has, which is kind of interesting. But also, he just like he's really easy, which is weird. So, speaking of mage guys, you don't have the extra characters in this one. It's just Richter Belmont. You can save Maria in an optional side path, like in Rondo of Blood, but she doesn't unlock as a playable character. Yeah, does that do anything for the like the end of the game or nope. anything? <laughs> okay, so it's, good job, guys. So it's purely optional, but doesn't affect the game in any way other than to say you did it? You might have warm fuzzies, it's, I don't know. It's there because it was there in Rondo of Blood. It feels like they meant to make her a playable character and then forgot. Or maybe it didn't have time or like the, the Super Nintendo can support it. make it affect your ending. Yeah, it's really not great. Nor do you obviously have Alucard or Sypha or Jack. Is Jack the other guy in uh, Castlevania 3? The guy they nerfed for the English version. Nor do you have the branching paths, really. There are two in the entire game. One of them you get by screwing up. <laughs> well, but they do have some Sonic where on the second level, there's appears to be two paths you can take. But at the end of the bottom one, you realize that, no, this is just here. So I'll fall. If I fall on the upper path, I've screwed up and have to fight my way back. There is a ham hawk down there, though. I guess that's nice. It, we do have the secret ham hawks from the original, which is kind of cool. But that's really just a, oh, you fell down. Here you go. <laughs> Here's pity meat. <laughs> I feel like part of the reason I find the game boring is you can take a lot more hits than the original Castlevania, so no particular hit feels tense. Well, and it's also not like a discrete health bar. It's like a continuous health bar, which makes it kind of hard to gauge exactly how much something is doing. And just, like, the game never feels good. The bosses drop the little, like, red orbs, like in every Castlevania, but when you collect one, instead of getting triumphant music and watching your health fill up and your score go up, you just hard cut to the next level. Which is a little jarring and also kind of disappointing. Yeah. Also, your uh, hit invincibility doesn't last very long, and a lot of the bosses are these huge sprites that if you get hit by them, you will be knocked into still their hitbox. And then get hit again. Like the cloud of bats, I had a huge problem with uh, that. That just sounds like a pain. It is. I was really hoping I was going to like this game more than most people because it, all the limitations are the same ones as the original Castlevania. Your whip is a crappy attack. The platforming has to be kind of precise, but they didn't do any of the careful care, any of the careful encounter design that made the first Castlevania one of my favorite games. And you like Simon's Quest? I do like Simon's Quest. Not not for any of the reasons that uh, I did. That I we like, like uh, Castlevania. Original, but <laughs> no, but like you like Castlevania 2 Simon's Quest a lot more than people who were really, really hard on the game. That's true. Uh, but I don't like Castlevania 3 nearly as much as people who like that game. So it's pretty okay. There's some give and take. But anyway, yeah, this game was incredibly disappointing. Like, unfortunately, most of the remakes we played, really only Metal Slug X was. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a yeah. clip like. Although, as Zach said, that's basically just a patch to get it working. Yeah, so. that's Metal Slug X, wor or that's Metal Slug 2 Working Edition. Metal Slug 2.X. <laughs> Happening in the year 20XDX. Do we have any final thoughts on this besides, like, it's boring when it shouldn't be, it plays badly when it shouldn't? It It's f the sort of frustratingly hard, like, it... It doesn't ever really give you the tools it feels like you need to deal with the situation. Sometimes you just got to suck it up and take damage. But not in the way that the original Castlevania did, where you're like, oh, if only I'd saved my holy water from earlier for this encounter, I'd yeah. be okay. Yeah, it's not that you could have had the tools, it's just you don't. So, I don't know. I'm, I, was, I was hopeful 
for it because the mechanics felt very similar to the original Castlevania in a way that they really haven't in any of the games we played since. And then it just did not live up to expectations. And this is the last like traditional platformer Castlevania. You know, given where they went with a kind of RPG theme that uh, Symphony of the Night inspired, I guess I'm kind of okay with that. They made some pretty cool games. I don't dislike the direction they went. I just like Rondo of Blood was a great send off for that, right? I'm sad that they then made this. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of this, it's going on a list at our website, www.lasttimeonvideogames.com, of all the video games we've played from best to worst. It's probably going near the bottom. <laughs> it's better than Operation Wolf. It is. It's better than uh, the terrible Castlevania Game Boy game, so maybe we'll have pity on it. We'll see. I don't have pity. At the top is Chrono Trigger, another game that doesn't have pity? Nope. That joke didn't work. Designed by Akira Toriyama, who doesn't have pity for his own creations. He forgets about them. At the bottom of is Echo the Dolphin. It's not as bad as that. In the middle is Contra 3 The Alien Wars, which just seems to be holding that spot down. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it comparing to that, but we may or may not get there. Uh, So we have to start near the top with Rondo of Blood. We all agree it's way worse than that, right? Uh, Yeah. Like, not not even a question. (laughs) Yeah, knowing that Rondo of Blood was the immediate precursor to symphony of the night makes the like extra playable mode at the end of that make a lot more sense so next we have super castlevania 4 it's immediate predecessor on that console which is another game even though i find that one just kind of okay a lot better than this which is not okay yeah like really my problem with that one is that it was focused more on the gimmickiness of what it had and like slightly less well or tightly designed enemy encounters that one was just kind of an okay game and i like the eight-way whipping yeah, I, I do too. It's a good innovation. I just wish they d- designed the encounters around it a little bit more. Yeah, that's that's really okay, all I'm saying. That's fair. It's like they they gave you eight way whipping, but they didn't give you situations that could only be solved by eight way whipping very often. And if they had to move this game to the Super Nintendo, that's something they could have tried. But... Yep. So next, immediately next, actually, we have Castlevania Three, and that's another game where even though it's on older hardware, I just feel like Castlevania Three has so many ideas. This game should have been trying the multiple paths, oh, the yeah, multiple yeah. characters. It took me a second to re- to remember which one it was. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I tend to forget I, about it, too. I think Castlevania 3 is better than it's this. It's got cooler environments, even. It was hard as hell, and I wasn't like, oh, yeah, this is one of the fun funnest things I've ever played, but it was better than this. So next, the game I like more than most people, Castlevania 2, which uh, maybe you guys will fight me on this, but I think Castlevania 2 is trying a lot more. It's not always succeeding, but certainly this game isn't either. I think it's got more interesting enemies. Bosses are more satisfying to take down, even if there's only two of them. <laughs> I think I don't usually give games points for uh, innovation. ideas or innovation, <laughs> but I think building that game from the ground up gives it more points in my book than remaking this one as you know, kind of a terrible version of the one that already was out. Oh, I think between it and Zola 2... Like, we got a whole genre of games that probably would have not come out for, like, a couple years after that if those games It's the weird effect that Dragon Quest had on the Japanese video game development scene. Okay, so maybe I should blame Dragon Quest. Well, it it was the two most popular games are Mario and Dragon Quest. Let's try to smash those together. And then Paper Mario was born. Eventually. (laughs) Eventually. (laughs) So the next and final Castlevania game on our list is Castlevania Adventure for the Game Boy. And while I think this game is worse in some ways because it's more boring, it does not commit any of the terrible sins that Castlevania Adventure does. Like that terrible screen size, the way the prexels are, the uh, 
like leap of face stuff because you can't quite see the next it platform. is not worse than that game yeah i think we're unanimous on that one now the fun part yeah how do we think it compares to a similar themed game ghosts and goblins i actually way prefer ghosts and goblins because it's at least got like it's you're always dealing with something Maybe so not in a yeah. satisfying way, but you're always dealing with something. Ghosts and Goblins is at least frequently not boring. <laughs> it is frequently frustrating, but then again, so is this game. What about Double Dragon 3, The Sacred Stones? Oh, oh, that was uh, that the one that we really disliked? That's the one we all played together and we were oh. like, reading the dialogue in funny voices. Yes, I remember that now. That I one was think really that hard. that game was fun because of the fact that we were playing it with... Each other. Well, I don't. Look, I we, think this game is worse than that. It's still at it number one hundred eighty nine on our list. Yeah, did not rank it high. I think this game is worse than Double Dragon Three because it lacks co op. So it lacks that fun couch buddies on the couch factor. I would actually give it to this game because Double Dragon Three felt unbeatable to me. Also, I'm just I'm kind of down on brawlers as a genre, so maybe I'm a little bit biased. So am I, but like I feel like that's a better example of a brawler than this is of a platformer. That's actually a pretty good argument. So I think I'm going to agree with Zach here. So the next game on the list that looks comparable-ish is Bayou Billy. I was actually, uh, when we were talking about games that's probably better than, Bayou Billy was going to be one of the examples I brought up. Although Bayou Billy's got a lot of things Bayou going Billy's on. Bayou kind of a train wreck of a bunch of random stuff, but I think this one executes better on the one thing it's doing than Bayou Billy does. It doesn't execute very well, but neither did Bayou Billy. Yeah, so the the question is, does Bayou Billy get additional points for, like, trying to be a bunch of different games? It does in my book, but it sounds like I'm kind of outvoted by you guys. Yeah, I, I mean, don't think it gets a whole lot of credit, because it didn't execute very well on any of the stuff it did do. Yeah, I, but neither did this game, would be my kind of <laughs> counter-argument. Yeah, my entirely qualitative counter-argument is both games were boring, but Dracula X was less boring. Okay. So. I disagree, but that's subjective. So, <laughs> how do we think it compares to Alien Storm? A very similar game, actually. I like Alien Storm. I don't like Alien Storm. So, I also don't like Alien Storm, but I think it had more going on for it than Bayou Billy did. So That's why it's above Bayou Billy. <laughs> yep. How do you think it compares to <laughs> Castlevania Dracula X? For very similar reasons, I can make the same argument, um, but Alien Storm was, it's satisfying to beat up monsters, even if there's a crap ton of them in that game. And it had the random first, per well, not random, but it had the first person segments. Okay, I think I'm outvoted again. <laughs> oh, wait, no, you're saying Alien Storm is better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, no. I am actually outvoted again, but that means <laughs> that we're done. Castlevania Dracula X will go at number 192, above Bayou Billy and below Alien Storm. Sorry, guys. Actually, I'm not. I uh, in preparation for this, I watched a kind of let's play comparison of Rondo of Blood and Dracula X by a group of guys called like Hard for Games or something. I actually really like their stuff now that I've encountered them. Oh, um, they gave their final thoughts on it at the end of the day, and they're like, "We give Dracula X a six, maybe a six and a half, if we're feeling generous," which is like above mediocre yeah. i don't think about it, i'm like that's actually about what i'd give this game is like maybe a five or a six but i'd give alien swarm a pretty solid six so really i think my scale goes i'm more willing to put stuff lower like the ign review of dracula x i read because i didn't play that much of it and wanted more information and that was like the only thing i could find gave it a five out of ten but that did not read like a five out of ten review <laughs> it was like people say that rondo of blood is good and it is this is not. <laughs> Which is, you know, if I had to summarize this game in one sentence, I suppose it would be that. 
<laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's like like I feel like it's actively mediocre. And like it is not horrible. Like, like, like the the music's really good. That's something we didn't touch on. As always, true. the music, it's Castlevania game, really good. The graphics look good, but the thing is, the graphics look good in Castlevania 4 as well, and the gameplay is so much better. Like, there's no reason for me to recommend this over Castlevania 4 or Dra- Rondo of Blood, nor is there any reason to be nor is there any reason for me to recommend it if you like those games. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> but like Five out of ten is like absolute middle of the road, and I feel like this is a super like, middle of the road game as far as games go. To me, it's like a super super boring movie that doesn't have any rape jokes or Nazis. Like it didn't offend me. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel like this game like should be banned or burned. But man, is it a waste of your time? Yes. So I don't want to give it a whole five. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair enough. But I've often said that boring is, I think, the worst thing a game can do, and this game felt very boring to me. Yeah, my my argument is that it's functional, it's got some things going for it, it's just like, yeah. (laughs) All right, Tyler, so what's going to be functional next week? Well, Now that remake month is over, and we can stop playing these terrible remakes. Now now that it's... It's very spooky. Ooh, speaking of spooky, I chose a very spooky game this week. The greatest terror of all, the eldritch horror that consumes everything, Kirby. Specifically, Kirby's Dream Course. A game that some people say was snubbed when it didn't get on this Super Nintendo classic. I've mentioned before that I went through a period where I emulated all games ever for the Super Nintendo, and I only very lightly touched on this one, but it's kind of like a golf game where you can pick up Kirby-styled power-ups with your Kirby ball. It's a very weird golf game. Hal basically said they wanted to do something very different with Kirby because they were afraid it would get stale if they kept... Just making it platformers. Well, that's definitely different. <laughs> it's a game that's f- fondly remembered, but considered maybe a little too difficult in hindsight. So I, I seem vaguely to recall that it has like turn by turn multiplayer. So that might be something worth investigating. But I remember it being amusing, if not good. <laughs> so. All right. So next time on last time, the legend of Kirby force golfs. <laughs> that was going to be a different joke. More than some. This has been a production of Last Time on Video Games, copyright 2017. For the conceptually impaired, all video games and other media mentioned herein are copyright their respective owners. If you'd like to get in touch with us, drop us a line at lpovg at lasttimeonvideogames.com or hit us up on our website, www.lasttimeonvideogames.com where you can find an archive of all the old episodes in addition to a bunch of written material. It is a terrible night to be a remake. Game over. Game over.